Welcome back. This is James from The World's Last Night. Uh, today I'm going to talk about that second topic I mentioned in the last podcast I uploaded. Um, and we're not going to be reading Genesis. So I'm just going to go through that topic. And I'm really, really excited to go through it because uh, I just had a an issue where a family sinned against my family. And I got really angry about it. Uh, righteously so. Um, but there's a verse in the Bible that says, uh, you know, be angry, but don't sin in your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So I had to wrestle with God and practice forgiveness. So it gave me an opportunity to try to become more Christ-like and forgive, which I learned a long time ago is not something humans are capable of. It's honestly like a divine impartation of grace. So if you're having trouble forgiving someone, pray to God that he, he does it on your behalf and through you. And as you do that and as you practice forgiveness, it'll become easier and easier. You'll be able to brush it off because honestly, this is the main reason it becomes easier because you have faith that God's going to work it out in the end. So you can hand it all over to him. So if someone, you know, uh, which has happened to me many times in in my life, they cheat you out of something. um, God's going to redeem it and he's going to bring it back to you. So don't sweat it. Just deal with you. God's going to deal with that other person. So the reason I'm excited to talk about the topic today, though, is because, honestly, this topic, like, cheers me up and makes me hopeful and joyful more than any other. And that is the topic of, like, what the future holds for us past this world. So, remember me, I was talking about how these people were reading about in the Old Testament, they don't have the revelation of Christ. And as such, they're kind of groping around in darkness, trying to obtain righteousness, Well, even though now we have Christ and the law is written upon our hearts because we're Christians and God has sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, we still don't have necessarily the full revelation of God. We're kind of in this middle space. And honestly, like, I'm pretty excited about that because that means there's even greater things to come. So I want to just talk briefly about those greater things to come. Now, Why is it that our society loves fairy tales? Why do we love things like Harry Potter and uh, Cinderella and all these different stories about these fantastic um, worlds like the Enchanted Forest and so on? I believe that we love it because we desire it and we're made for a world like that. So I believe one day we're going to end up in a place like that. And, you know, right now we just call that heaven or paradise, but C.S. Lewis has a great quote. It basically says something to the effect of, if I find in myself a desire that nothing in this world can fulfill, then the most logical assumption would be that I'm not made for this world. I'm made for a different world to satisfy that desire. Now, he has this great natural argument um, talking about how you could have like a man who's thirsty in the desert just because that thirst exists, it logically means that there must be a satisfaction for that thirst. Now, obviously, that's water. So he's basically saying if you have desires like thirst or hunger, it means that something that satisfies those things necessarily exists. And he called this argument from desire. Now, I'm going to do probably an entire podcast on that later. I once did a sermon on it for my uh, family reunion. It's absolutely my favorite Um, apologetic for the existence of God, because I think it moves past the rational and the emotional into something even deeper, which I would assume is sort of like a spiritual hunger. And I think everyone can relate to that. And that is why we're so obsessed with things like Star Wars or Harry Potter or these different 
uh, worlds because we want to live and we want to have an adventure in a world like that. We don't even mind if they're dangerous, right? Like a world like Lord of the Rings, super dangerous. We don't even mind that that's dangerous, but we want to be guided on in that path by El Luvatar, you know, in Lord of the Rings. That's that's the god of that universe, represents the god of our universe. But in any case, I'm going to talk more about that later. I just want to let you know that that's like one reason why this topic excites me so much is because it's a desire I personally have. And that's why I personally love fairy tales. Well, like I said, I think we're in a, a middle world right now, and there's something much better to come. And Paul even kind of backs this up in 1 Corinthians. So the verse I'm going to read to you is 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 11. And uh, actually, no, I'm going to say uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He says, For now we see indistinctly, as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I am fully known. And he goes on to say, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Prior to this, he started talking about how uh, when he was a child, he spoke like a child, he felt like a child and reasoned like a child, but when he became a man, he put aside childish things. And then now he's in this middle, in the middle portion where he's looking to the future, saying, but for now we see indistinctly as in a mirror. Now, other translations will say, for now we see dimly as in a, a mirror's reflection. I like that translation even more because it, it really gets to the heart of, like, if you had a you know beautiful painting and a mirror was across from it and it was being reflected in that mirror well pretend the mirror was really dusty and you couldn't really make out what the painting was that's kind of the illustration i would give that i think paul is giving to what heaven is like it's like now we kind of can sort of conceptualize it we can sort of see it we've had a taste of god we desire more and the only way we can get that is we have to pass from this life to that life and so he's looking forward to that because he says, you know, uh, I will know fully as I am fully known. He doesn't even think he's, he's fully known yet. So there's, there's this idea that we're kind of like seeds and we're planted, but we haven't sprouted. And the only way we can sprout is if we lay our lives down, we accept death, and then we're reborn, right? In, a, in, a, in the second life, in Christ, we have that resurrection. So what you experience in this world in my mind is just shadows of the next world and that's another illustration that c.s lewis gives he calls this world the shadowlands it's like you can see the shadows of the objects you can see the shadows of love the shadows of goodness of joy we get like tastes and hints of these but they're constantly obfuscated by the suffering and the evil and the despair and they're constantly entangled in, in war with those. Well, Revelation tells us that God's going to do away with those things when Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom on earth. No longer going to be pain or crying or, or death. He's going to do away with those things. So right now we kind of see all the good in this world. It's just sort of a shadow of what's to come. It's being um, uh, obfuscated by other things. So with that said, I really wanted to read a passage from Chronicles of Narnia. It's like my favorite passage in the whole series, and it's also the very last page of the very last book. So it's definitely spoilers if you haven't read the series, but at the same time, it doesn't really affect the story. This is more like an epilogue. It's like what happened to all these characters. So for those of you who don't know, Chronicles of Narnia was a, a fictional tale written by C.S. Lewis. There's, I think, seven books he wrote throughout his life, uh, one of them being a prequel, and it it chronicles Narnia, which is this other world that supposedly exists. And this group of children, one day, they're staying at their relative's house, and they go through a wardrobe, and they end up in this other world. 
and they have tons of adventures throughout their life. And other characters come, and other characters go, and uh, and they they meet this giant lion, talking lion called Aslan. Now, Aslan is actually supposed to be Jesus Christ for this world where there's all these talking animals. And so there's even like this nod to that where Aslan says, you know, you got to go back to your own world where you will learn to know me by another name. That's sort of what he says. And he's alluding to that in our world, his name is Jesus, right? So even in Narnia, he's not crucified, but he is uh, sacrificed to save someone. And there's also there's all these different parallels that C.S. Lewis draws with that children's story. Well, what I love is the very ending. After Aslan has established his kingdom, so we're talking like a revelation. That's like what the last book is about. It's called The Last Battle. And it parallels Revelation. Well, after that's already established and these kids are finally, um, you know, going to heaven, uh, Aslan kind of explains like what happened. Because they're not sure what happened. Like, why did we suddenly appear in heaven? Like, what happened? And so, at the very end of the, of the book, of The Last Battle, C.S. Lewis writes, um, but he's talking as Aslan, There was a real railway accident, said Aslan softly. So, these, there was, there was a, a train wreck, is what he's saying. Your father and your mother and all of you are, as you used to call it, in the Shadowlands, dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. And it almost makes me want to cry, and I will admit the first time I read that I did cry, and I read it out of context. I didn't even read the Chronicles of Narnia. I just read that uh, that passage, and it made me want to read the rest of it, but Aslan is basically telling these children, you know, when you were in the Shadowlands, which he's talking about our world, Earth, uh, you called this thing death. And so you and your father and your mother, on all of you kids, you were in a, a tragic, horrible railway accident, a train wreck. So you're all dead. But they find themselves in heaven, right? And so he says, the term is over, the holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. Now, by the term is over, the holidays have begun. He's talking about um, going to school. And so, like, you know, semester's over, so it's summer break, basically. And the dream is ended. This is the morning. And I love that uh, visual because I, um, I identify with it so much that I feel like the world we currently live in is the dream. And I'm constantly in a dream, and it's, it occasionally is more of a nightmare. <laughs> But this isn't the real world. I I would uh, I would f more readily believe that heaven is true and real than this world is true and real. I'm a lot like I have a lot of that mindset of like Neo from The Matrix, who spent his whole life in The Matrix, which if you don't know is a computer simulation of the real world, but it's so good it tricks the brain into into thinking this is the real world. And Morpheus comes and says, "Well, if you take this red pill." 
you know, you're going to wake up and you're going to know the truth. You can take this blue pill. You can stay in the dream. And he takes a red pill and, and obviously wakes up and he sees the real world. That's, I think, a great illustration of what passing from this life to the next life is like. We're not in the real world. We, uh, we're, we're in sort of a dreamland, a shadow land, um, an illustration, a dirty reflection of the real world. That's what I believe, and I think that that's what the culmination of Scripture leads up to whenever you get to Revelation, and we have the resurrection. So, you know, in this passage, it goes on to say, As he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And so, C.S. Lewis is basically saying, well, to the children, Aslan no longer looks so much like a lion, but and I think the assumption is he looks more like a man, like Jesus Christ, like a son of man. And Lewis says, and for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after, but for them it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story. And so he's, he's agreeing with that same philosophy, saying they're, they're beginning the real story now, after their death. Uh, it says, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and which every chapter is better than the one before. So when I think of heaven... Uh, I think there's plenty of scripture to back this up. I, I think um, of adventure. I think of joy. I think of no boredom. I think that's an issue people have when they, when they first come to the faith. They're like, well, in heaven, do we just float around like little cherubim, you know, like little angels and you know, naked babies or whatever, floating around, and do we just, you know, sing to God all the time? That's not the picture you get in Revelation. I mean, the picture you get in Revelation is a city. There's a city. The roads are paved with gold. The gates to the city are made out of pearl or pearlescence. Um, there's things to do. People have stuff to do. And remember in, in Genesis, in the garden, God put Adam and Eve in the garden and they put, he put them there to work it. So I have the assumption that we're going to have jobs. <laughs> there's going to be plenty to do. There's going to be plenty of adventures. In Revelation, we only see one city on the new earth. We don't even get to hear about the rest of what the new earth has to offer. We don't have a clue what um, what a, a resurrected, glorified body is like, but we have, I mean, I guess we do have some clues. We have Jesus Christ who could walk through walls and apparate wherever he wanted to. So there's this whole adventure laying ahead of us, apart from this world, that we all get to come into. And so death is not something to be afraid of. The event itself may be painful depending on how, how we have to go. But in the end, it's more like you're in a, uh, your mother's womb and you have no idea what the real world's like. And all you've ever known is sort of darkness and you're kind of groping around in the womb. And it's scary whenever labor comes on, right? It's painful for, for uh, the mother and I'm sure it's terrifying for the fetus. And, but, you know, when you were in that womb, you heard your mother's voice and you may have heard your father's voice singing to you. Well, you finally get to come out and you see light, like true bright light for the first time. And you get to hear your mother's voice and your father's voice for the first time. You knew they existed. You knew that they, they had more to them than just the echoes that you heard when you spent this time in the womb. And now everything's real. Well, that's what I believe death is like. I, I think it, it happens really fast. The Bible says first comes death, then judgment. Now, if you're a Christian, you, get, you have a get-out-of-jail-free card. You don't go through judgment. 
because you're justified, remember, just as if I've never sinned, that's not something that you have to endure. You will be held accountable for what you've done, but if you have Christ's righteousness placed upon you, you you'll, you'll be pardoned from it. But ultimately, I believe it happens in a flash. I, I forget where the scripture is, but it says something like, you'll be changed like the twinkling of an eye. So the pain won't matter at that point. And you'll, you'll, you'll go into the real world and you get to meet your heavenly father face to face where on this world, there's always been like some sort of slight barrier between you. You know, you continue to fall back into sin. You continue to have these, this struggle and this battle and these thoughts. Well, that's going to be over and you're going to have the full presence of God all the time, open, complete access to your heavenly father. And you're going to feel that love greater than you've ever felt it here on this earth. So, when you have bad days and you go through, you know, terrible times of suffering on this planet, just remember that it's going to be over very soon. And you're going to wake up from the stream. They're going to wake up from the shadowlands and you're going to see real light for the first time. You're going to see true colors for the first time and hear the the real music for the first time. And it's going to be glorious because you'll be reunited with the other brethren, your other sisters in Christ who've gone before you. You're going to be able to celebrate your, your risen Savior, a conquering king that has come back to establish his kingdom, who's just and good. You won't have to worry about voting someone into office anymore. <laughs> you're going to have a righteous king, always. Um, you're going to have adventures awaiting you. C.S. Lewis at the end says every page, every chapter is better than the last. And I believe that's true about heaven too. You spend eternity there, and every chapter you spend there is better than the last. So... You know, when you go to go to bed tonight and you think about your life and how quick it's gone by, I want you to, to also think about how much you have to look forward to, to spend an eternity in a far superior, better place than this. And, you know, count it as, as joy that you, you get to spend several years on this earth, hopefully preaching the gospel, hopefully le leaving a legacy to your children so that they might do the same thing. But at the end of it, if you've done all that, you know, to the best of your ability, walking with God, you're going to be able to, to stand in front of him face to face after your death and, and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come in, you know, and feast. Jesus said he went ahead of us to build us uh, mansions to live in. He says, my father's house has many houses or many rooms. If it was not so, I would not tell you. He's got a feast prepared for us. So... We are his, uh, his, bride, his bride, you know? That's what the church is. So we're going to celebrate when that time comes. So, you know, go to bed easy, rest easy, and be at peace because the things to come are far, far greater than the things that we leave behind. And that's actually another C.S. Lewis quote. And it's, all, it's always quoted out of context. There's a woman in America who C.S. Lewis had letters uh, that he wrote back and forth to. And that woman told C.S. Lewis... Now, Lewis was really old at this time. He was on his way out also, and this woman was on her way out too. And she confided in Lewis and said, you know, I'm a little bit scared. And C.S. Lewis wrote back and said something to the effect of, has this world been so good to you that you leave it with regret? And he goes on to say, there are far, far greater things that lay ahead. And I think that's like, the best answer for me personally I could think of. Has this world been so good to me that I leave it with regret? I mean, what am I clinging to? What, what, Earth is just 
it's filled with so much suffering and death and pain. And we just get the little spikes of joy. And we see that things could be joyful all the time if it weren't for sin and sin's effects. And we're promised a world without those things. I don't leave this world with regret when I die. Not one, not one bit, especially knowing what, what lays ahead. As C.S. Lewis said, there are far, far greater things that lay ahead. So that's the end of this uh, discussion. Next time I'm, I hop back on, we'll, end, we'll get back into Genesis. We're going to talk about Jacob meeting Esau and move on uh, with that family lineage until we get to Exodus. So until then, this is James with The World's Last Night.